Well, welcome to the Household of Faith in Christ, a weekly gathering. Well, almost always weekly. We weren't here last week. I was a bit under the weather. I guess I'll try putting this here and see how that does. Um, pardon our absent last week, but I was uh, battling one of the worst stomach flus I've ever had. I lost about 10 pounds in the last two weeks. So, a little bit uh, uh, in an ebb of... I'll sit over here for half a second, I guess. I don't know if I'm on camera or not. Yeah, I think I am. A little bit of an ebb in energy, but to be honest, I feel like it's going to match the tone uh, that we're all feeling these days. We've got Americans left behind uh, to die in foreign countries. Uh, we've got uh, a new emperor in charge of running the empire that used to be a republic. Um, we've, we've got, uh, suicides I just found out are up, uh, 25%. Um, it's, and of course we're commemorating uh, a day we all said 20 years ago we would never forget. And yet the evidence is we've all too clearly forgotten. So there's a lot of need to be reminded of what's truly most important in these uh, profound times within which we live, and as God's timing would have it, we find ourselves in maybe the perfect chapter of Scripture for the moment. So couldn't have orchestrated it any better if I had tried. But before we get into any of that, uh, we're going to be reading from Psalm chapter 18. So if you want to get your Bibles ready so you can read along on that, we're going to read the entire Psalm. This is one of the longer ones, so it's going to take us a couple minutes to read through it. Uh, and then the message uh, that we have today will be on Revelation chapter 5, so you want to bookmark that in your Bible as well so you can follow along during the message. But before we get into any of the Bible reading and the message and the discussion that will follow the message, let's open with a word of prayer. So I think, if I remember correctly, who volunteered for what? I think Dina said that she would open us in prayer. Oh, do you need me to, do you need me to buy you some more time? I will say this, a little teaser, we have, uh, our website is now fully functional and operational, and so I'm beginning to actually use the blog section. So if you go to the website with regularity, I'm not sure how often I'll do it. In a perfect world, I will have a blog thought every day, but it's an imperfect world, so <laughs> it might not be every day, but I would expect at least once, if not two or three times a week, maybe on average, uh, you'll find some stuff there. So if you want to see, uh, you know... Thoughts from the pastor that it'll be updated regularly. So, and if there's something you would like me to blog on or think or or talk about or teach on on the website or or in this context, let me know and I can try to incorporate that. So, did you find your verse? I did. Uh, and especially today, where there is a somberness that's come over the land, rightfully so, because of you know paying tribute and honoring those who have fought so hard for our country, and you know. Um, you know, all the firefighters and everyone who was a part of 9-11, not just the victims, but so many people who died in their um, call to action, just remembering them. This is from Jeremiah. But God, a most fierce warrior, is at my side. Those who are after me will be sent sprawling, slapstick buffoons falling all over themselves, a spectacle of humiliation no one will ever forget. Oh, God of the angel armies, no one fools you. You see through everyone, everything. I want to see you pay them back for what they've done. I rest my case with you. Sing to God, all praise to God. He saves the weak from the grip of the wicked. 
Lord, yes, yeah, you can sit there. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word is, so, is true and timeless, timeless. And we thank you. We thank you for the ability to gather in your name. May we always acknowledge and recognize the gift that we have being able to do that, at least for now. We pray against the enemy who's trying to thwart your will. We know that overall your will will be done, and we are thankful for that. But in the time being, we are, as your remnant, struggling. So I pray that you would encourage us, even tonight, Lord, strengthen us by the might, by the power of your spirit. Pour over us the blood, the saving Jesus' blood right now over each one of us, that we might be bold to stand firm, to give witness to what you have done and what you will be doing for your namesake and for your glory. Lord, I pray that those who need to see this, that you would hearken them to turn to Facebook right now. But in the same breath, I ask that you keep away evildoers. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 All right, if you uh, haven't already, you want to grab your Bible and open it to Psalm 18. We're going to read the whole thing through. And if you're joining us a little bit late, just a reminder, um, particularly on a day like today, a moment such as this in history, we need to be reminded of uh, who Christ is, who God is, and we need to sing his praises. And uh, reading through Psalm 18 uh, is one of the ways we're doing that today. So, let me get us started. Sure. <coughs> Psalm 18. To the choir master, a song of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of, his, of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, he said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called upon the Lord, to my God I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked, the foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils, and devouring fire from his mouth, glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed, he bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under, thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through the, through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils, he sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. 
They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his ordinances were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also blameless with him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hands in his eyes. With the kind you show yourself kind, with the blameless you show yourself blameless. With the pure you show yourself pure, and with the crooked you show yourself astute. For you saved and afflicted people, but haughty eyes you abase. For you light my lamp, for Lord my God illuminate my darkness. For you I can run upon a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. And as for his way is blameless, and the, the word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who girds me, girds me with strength and makes me blameless. He makes my feet like hinds feet and sets me upon high, my high places. He trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand upholds me and your gentleness makes me great. You enlarge my steps under me and my feet have not slipped. I pursued my enemies and overtook them and I did not turn back until they were consumed. I shattered them so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet. For you have girded me with strength for battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also made my enemies turn their backs to me, and I destroyed those who hated me. They cried for help, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them fine as the dust before the wind. I emptied them out as the mire of the streets. You have delivered me from the contentions of the people. You have placed me as head of the nations. A people whom I have not known serve me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. Foreigners submit to me. Foreigners fade away and come trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. The God who executes vengeance for me and subdues peoples under me. He delivers me from my enemies. Surely you lift me above those who rise up against me. You rescue me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you among the nations, O Lord, and I will sing praises to your name. He gives great deliverance to his king and shows loving kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever.
Amen. Thank you guys for reading. Much appreciated. <coughs> I'm going to transition over here. It's going to be a little bit awkward. No, no, no. This is the, uh, the fullest our house has been. So we'll see how, how this goes. It's a blessing. Good problem to have. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be right over your shoulder. I hope you're okay with that. Somebody <laughs> over my shoulder or something? <laughs> so you're going to want to uh, jump towards the back of your Bible now and go to Revelation chapter 5. That's where we're going to be spending Yay! our time in the message today. And where did I put that? Microphone. God's Word says to us in Revelation chapter 5, And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands sang with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever. And ever. 
This is the infallible, inerrant, inspired Word of God, as is Psalm 18. God's Word is a fully sufficient rule and guide for faith and life practice, so those with an ear to hear, let them hear. As I read this passage of God's Word, I'm reminded of something that I had a chance to do almost 30 years ago. The World Cup came to the United States in 1992. Orlando was one of the host cities, and I happened to live in Orlando at the time, and so I secured a ticket, and I entered the old Citrus Bowl Stadium, and what I experienced must be something like what a foreign exchange student experiences. I've been to lots of American sporting events, concerts in my life, but attending a World Cup soccer match, it was bordering on culture shock. The enthusiasm of the fans, the singing, the chanting, the unbridled joy of being there, the loudness never subsided, the flag waving never subsided. The action on the field, it often looked to me as if nothing exciting or productive was happening. My fuzzy memory thinks that the final score was one to nothing. One goal. The entire time. Lots of passing the ball around aimlessly as far as I could discern, almost always in the middle of the field. People in this country complain about baseball. Say it's too slow-paced, not enough action. Well, i got to tell you, baseball is a fireworks display compared to what I could process before me on the pitch as two foreign nations played what most of the world calls football. But the fans of the game, fans of those teams, they knew what was happening better than I did. So they were excited by the progress toward the goal that was basically indiscernible progress to me. And it's like that with God. He knows the whole game. In fact, the outcome of the game is known. God wins. In our life of kicking things back and forth, never entirely sure that we're making any sort of real progress in this world. God sees what's happening, and He knows what's what. And the audience in heaven has a perspective that lets them see just how very true this is, and so they praise the Creator and the Redeemer with unyielding devotion. Now, we are not in heaven ourselves right now, but we have been given a glimpse of it. And we've been made citizens of it if we follow Christ. So, let's join the chorus and let's invite others to join the chorus. An invitation that begins with repentance. This heavenly perspective of who God is And how we are therefore to respond to him is what these 14 verses are most essentially all about. 
So let's get back to today's passage or scripture reading, Revelation chapter 5. It'll make our King James-only friends happy that I've read from the old King James today. In reading this chapter, we realize that it is an interesting placement within the book of Revelation where we find ourselves today. It is tempting, but hard, to say that this chapter is a bridge chapter. It's hard because of the swirling structure of the 22 chapters in Revelation with the imagery and the visions swinging back around again and again. But it actually is a bridge chapter of sorts. For instance, what we just read about five minutes ago has shown us the direction and conclusion of the prophetic message of the remaining chapters, chapters 6 through to the end. And it tells us There's a problem, and no one can solve it. Uh, But there is one, and the Lamb has solved it. He has solved it forever and ever with blessing and honor and glory and power and riches and wisdom and strength and all things good bestowed upon Him and coming through Him as God seats enthroned on His eternal throne. However, this chapter is not merely a bridge to the remainder of Revelation. For one, it records for us the second half of one lengthy vision within this collection of visions in the book of Revelation. Chapters 4 and 5 together begin or introduce what some call the second act of the book of Revelation. And this introduction to the second act, it takes us from a focus in chapter 4 on creation right on into a focus on redemption and recreation in chapter 5. We see the two chapters being intimately intertwined with the presence of five songs, each thanking God for being who He is. And what's interesting as we read, we can note the building of momentum, a gathering storm of praise with higher velocity winds and increasingly loud booms of thunder. So I want us to take a moment now to be sure we don't miss the beauty of this progression. So Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, John writes for us, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And so there are four proclaiming this praise. Then a few verses later, we read about 24 doing the same and falling down before God as they do so. Revelation chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. God's word tells us, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. 
So now let's look again at what we read about 10 minutes ago, Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, where it says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. So you see the four beasts are still there and the 24 elders, they're still there now with harps and the prayers of the saints And then what comes next, thousands upon thousands of angels join the singing of the new song. Here are verses 11 and 12. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And now things reach a full intergalactic crescendo. The beasts and the elders within God's high court of wisdom, the angels, the followers of Christ, and in the end, the whole of creation, every creature, every one, those on earth, those under the earth, those in the sea, those in the heavens, all of them, they proclaim for all to hear that the Lamb who was slain is worthy. Amen. He is worthy. He alone is worthy. Verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. If you're not inspired with a rising up within you of adoration and devotion, if you're not kind of goose pimply with the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in your bosom, if you're not presently enraptured by the magnificence of Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, then I have failed you as your preacher. Or you are spiritually dead in the need of a new birth. I truly hope it's the former. This is a portion of scripture that really emphasizes the majestic kingship of God. 
In chapters 4 and 5, the word throne is used well over a dozen times, nearly a dozen and a half times. Chapter 4, verse 2, Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Next verse, And there was a rainbow round about the throne. Next verse, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. Next verse, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. Next verse, And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne, and round about the throne, were four beasts full of eyes. Verse 9, Those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne. Next verse, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne. Cast their crowns before the throne. Chapter 5, verse 1, And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book. Verse 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne stood a lamb. Verse 7, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Verse 11, And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. Verse 13, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne. In Revelation 4 and 5, the five songs, or sometimes they're called the five expressions or the five doxologies, whatever you want to call them, these declare the praises of our Trinitarian God, our triune God. Note how in verse 1 and 7 of chapter 5, there's a reference to the Father on the throne. And then verse 6 and 7 refer to the Son of God, who is the Lamb. And then we see God the Holy Spirit in verse 6 with the description of the horns and the eyes, which is an echo of the imagery we saw way back in chapter 1, verse 4. And it's no accident that there are seven qualities described in this passage, seven being the number of holy completion, holy perfection. The first four, power, riches, wisdom, might, these speak to God's resources. And the other three, honor, glory, blessing, these speak to the right response to these excellencies of God. And the bookends of these five doxologies, numbers one and five, they each member the divine, mention the divine eternity of God and his rule. He rules forever. And in between, we see the emphasis of praise on the enthroned one, which in this context is the Father in verses 1 and 2. But in the next two verses, verses 3 and 4, there the place of emphasis of praise is on the Lamb. The Lamb receives this level of praise, a level reserved for only God Himself. Because the Lamb of God is not merely truly human, but He is also truly God. To both the Father and the Son, there is ascribed glory, honor, and power. And note that to the Son, because of what He did in the person and work of Christ, there is ascribed also wealth, strength, wisdom, and blessing. In Latin, this stuff is called the great to diem, shorthand for the great Te Deum Ladamus, 
That means, oh God, we praise you. Given the repetitive nature of the book of Revelation, it is no surprise that we will find more wondrous hymns of praise as we move forward through the text in the coming months. For example, in addition to chapters 4 and 5, chapters 7, 11, 15, 16, and 19 are also home to other hymns of heaven. And did you happen to count the number of chapters? There are, not surprising to me, seven chapters that contain these hymns of heaven. I call this heavenly te deum the hymns of heaven because what we find in chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation is the view of things from heaven's perspective. Contrast this with Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. Do you recall that portion of the New Testament? The Apostle Luke wrote for us about things from an earthly vantage point. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the utmost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come, so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. On earth right now, we see but dimly as through the bottom of a glass. But in heaven, it's perfectly clear. God's in charge. And so, he is greatly to be praised most worthy of praise. And so it is right and good that all of the heavenly host praises God. And we are to join in as we see elsewhere throughout Scripture, including the Old Testament. Like Psalm 18, for example. Even though we don't see the absolute fullness of this right now in the the here and now on earth, we should rejoice all the same. You know, someone who knows a thing or two about agriculture, certainly a heck of a lot more than I know about it, once shared the attitude of a farmer. When the ground is tilled and the seeds are planted and the fertilizer and the irrigation, that's all done the right way, the ground can still, even after all that, for a while, look rather fruitless. But when the corn is harvested, when that full ear of corn is in the farmer's hands at the feast, the farmer rejoices. Now this illustration already makes sense as far as it goes when we consider that heaven awaits believers. There's a great feast that awaits. But this illustration, it goes even further. It applies to our situation right now. Because when even a single blade of the corn 
is visible, begins to emerge from the earth in the midst of the growing season as the farmer is still wiping the dust and dirt from his brow. The farmer rejoices then too because he knows things from the perspective of a farmer. He knows. Rejoice! The harvest's on the way. It's underway and it's going to be big. And glorious. We should be singing and shouting praises to our Maker and Savior. At least as loudly and proudly as so many do for other things like World Cup soccer matches. You ever watch those big political conventions on TV every four years? People making absolute fools of themselves, wearing goofy hats. Will you wear a goofy hat for Jesus? Will you allow yourself to be thought of by the watching world as a fool for Christ? To Deum Ladamus. Oh, God, we praise you. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And because of this, we can, as it's written in Isaiah chapter 42, sing unto the Lord a new song. And His praise from the end of the earth, ye that go down to the sea and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof, let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voice, the villages that Kedar doth inhabit, let the inhabitants of the rock sing, let them shout from the top of the mountains, let them give glory unto the Lord and declare His praise in the islands. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. And he shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. And he shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. I have long time holding my peace. I have been still and refrained myself. Now I will cry like a travailing woman. I will destroy and devour at once. I will make waste mountains and hills and dry up all their herbs. And I will make the rivers islands and I will dry up the pools. And I will bring the blind by the way they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. They shall be turned back. They shall be greatly ashamed that trust in graven images that say to the molten images, Ye are our gods. And we can join in with Psalm 96. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the heathen. His wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods.
Maltby Babcock wrote 120 years ago in 1901 a more contemporary hymn of phrase called This is My Father's World. And I will end today's message with a couple of stanzas. This is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied. And earth and heaven be one. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We praise you that you are love. You embody perfect justice. And you have found a way to maintain your righteous standard while exhibiting grace and mercy to your people through the blood of Christ. Lord, we ask for the confidence that can only be derived from your Holy Spirit to be bold among our neighbors, bold in this world that is so lost in confusion and lies, to proclaim the truth. You are the truth. Forgive us for failing so regularly at this. Help us be recommitted to sharing the gospel truth with a lost and hurting world that doesn't even realize perhaps that they need it. We can get discouraged. Certainly we know it's okay to be sad. But don't allow us to become disillusioned and lose focus on where our eyes need to be set. Help us to keep our mind, our heart, our attitudes, everything about us yearning and striving toward what awaits us in heaven because therein lies our treasure. This is your world, Father. And we know the battle is not done and you have work for us to do. Strengthen us to do that work. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'll come sit over here, I guess, now. So, I've mentioned to some people in the past, you know, I tend to work at least a few weeks in advance on sermon prep, sometimes as much as two months in advance on, you know, what I'm going to be preaching on. Uh, but I got to tell you, if I had sat down a week ago and thought, hmm, what am I going to preach next week? I might have worked on preparing a message from this passage. <laughs> because uh, things are seeming dire. You know, from an earthly perspective, things are dire. We've been reminded of just how much we need the heavenly promises. Okay. So, um, so hopefully this is an encouragement to us no. that um, 
We have a magnificent God. He is creator and sustainer. Uh, he works all things together for the good of those who are his people. And so maybe this is exactly the kind of reminder we've needed in recent times. But maybe, you know, the, the, uh, in, in the Western world and the American church, we've grown a little bit kind of fat, dumb, and lazy. Uh, when it comes to biblical things, for sure. So uh, if you're not in the, in the Word, if you're not reading the Bible for encouragement and illumination and, uh, and guidance, if you're not doing that every day, boy, you're going to lose a hold. You're going to lose hold of the tethers that, that keep you sane. I don't know how those who don't have Christ are navigating things right now. I mean, those that are completely lost to the way of the world, they're reveling in it. They're celebrating the evil, and, they're, and so they're not, uh, they're not reaping the, the emotional consequences of that in this exact moment, but they will. Um, but those who aren't uh, in lockstep with what's going on in the world around us, but they're not in lockstep for reasons other than having a biblical worldview and trusting in Christ. They just happen to have a conservative mindset. They happen to be politically oriented a certain way. Boy, I don't know what gets them through moment to moment, day to day, because, you know, where's the hope? So, anyway, enough of me. Any thoughts from the folks gathered around here? I did not realize that there were seven of the, what did you call it, Diana or something? And that there were seven chapters that focused Um. on the... The songs of praise. Now that, and I will say that's a little bit artificial because there are more than seven songs because right. some of the chapters have more than one song, mm-hmm. and the chapters are not inspired per se. But nothing happens by accident, so I just find it interesting and not surprising that as the versification and the chapter divisions came about over time, that we happen to have these heavenly songs, these todayums. Uh, well, it was all inspired. In, in seven yeah. chapters, you know. So God orchestrates even the even the uninspired parts of uh, the pr- preservation of his word. I think he orchestrates that. I just find it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there are lots of, lots of examples of that happening. Of, of even the, 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 the verses, there's, you see God's fingerprint on, on, on the verse divisions. Um, I, I, I was, and, 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 and the, even the numbers of the verses are significant because um, I was catching up uh, a cast, a, a broadcast by a, a Messianic Jew, and he explained um, that um, the 5,708th verse of Scripture um, Oh, I wish I could remember. It talks about oh my gosh, Israel being reborn, I believe is the one. Forgive me if, if I'm not remembering exactly, but um, that five, th- yeah, Israel being reborn, the 5,708th verse of scripture. Um, um, well, and um, it just so happens that 1948, the Hebrew year for that is 5,708. When Israel was reborn, stuff like that, hmm. you know, um, you just see God's fingerprint all over His Word. Just things lining up in a just so way that I mean, nobody, 
when they were doing the scripture divisions, nobody paid, nobody calculated to right. make right. And, and knew that in 1948 that would be Hebrew year 5708 <laughs> right. and, and Israel would be reborn yeah. you know just all kinds of miraculous little things like that um, that uh, let you know that this, this book is not just it's any personal. other book it's a personal book it's a personal book but it's a miraculous yeah. oh, book 100%. Oh, and yet yeah. we spend so little time with it or in it and we need to do more than just read it, although mm -hmm. start there. If you're not reading it, start there. Mm -hmm. But don't just read it. Read mm -hmm. it. Meditate. Study yeah. it. Contemplate it. Talk meditate upon it. it. Talk about it with other words. Believe it. Live yeah. it. Yeah. 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 You know, as you read something and it strikes you, bring it up in conversation later to have it be more sticky to you. Well, You've got to do that. That's, I think, for me, and maybe it's because... Um, I'm relatable that way. That is so important in my walk, being able to say, oh my gosh, you know, with Angela or with Annette, I read this and it really spoke to me. And then have somebody say, oh, I happen to be, and it spoke to me. This Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And it, it really helps solidify Daddy. one spirit, the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and how we are so connected through that. Okay. How would I know what Annette's reading or mm -hmm. right. what Angela's reading? And yet we get together and we're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And it, it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And with song being such an important part of this section of scripture, I feel almost compelled to add something here. You know, the Bible talks about gathering together and they sang, you know, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so this is nothing against spiritual songs. But I want to tell you some pastoral counsel here. A caution, make sure that those songs are spiritual songs of the right spirit. Mm -hmm. Amen. There are a lot of songs today that pass as contemporary Christian songs that aren't particularly very Christian. They're not biblical in, in their point of view even, in some cases. They're, it's, it's, uh, it, it's the kind of song that somebody who's a big fan of that was a big thing like 10 years ago, the, the, the best-selling book, The Secret. It was about the power, of, I think, of words, right? And having this, the power, secret of attraction, the secret of attraction, that sort of stuff. And it's the kind of songs that those people would sing, and yet we just market it as a contemporary Christian song. I mean, I listen to uh, some of the Christian radio stations around us, and more than half the songs are not helpful. Let me just put it that way. It's, so be discerning. So, it, you know, read the Psalms. <laughs> Uh, sing some of the old traditional hymns and be discerning about the contempt. We just sang a contemporary song uh, about an hour ago uh, by a contemporary artist that is solidly biblical. So they exist. Just be, be discerning about it. Be careful that you're choosing songs that actually are supporting, that are uh, magnifying Christ and highlighting our need for Christ. Years ago, um, I used to have this obsession with music. Like, get my car and have to turn the radio on. It wasn't Christian radio, it was just radio. And one time, God spoke to me so clearly and said, You got to turn that radio off, it's making me depressed. And mm. I was like, Oh, I mean, it was so clear. But what He started to show me is that, you know, and I was thinking the same thing about Christian radio, just because it says Christian is not necessarily Christian. Mm -hmm. And He said, You know, Annette, it's the when the songs speak to your heart. 
Those are the anointed songs. Anyone can get up and sing any Christian song. I mean, I can't even sing like get up and say something, you know, mm -hmm. and and call it a Christian song. But if it's not coming from my heart, and if it's not, you know, it's not speaking to someone else's heart, then it's just mere words. I mean, I can listen. I listen to a lot of um, non-Christian songs, and I praise God through them mm -hmm. because I love the words. And so mm -hmm. I just change it to. Um, to, to mm. worship my God. I do right. that too. I know yep, you do. I do that too. All the time. Yep. Because it, it touches my heart. Right. My heart, not my mind. You know? right. right. It speaks right to my heart. And it just melts me. You know, and I just... So any... So that's interesting you say about discerning music because, I mean, they can be good words and songs, um, but if they don't speak to my heart, then I, you know, I don't know. It doesn't touch me or it doesn't really... Yeah, we want to make sure that it's a yeah, heart that's been informed by and transformed by God, God's word. By God's, yeah. yeah. That it speaks to a, you yeah. know... A godly heart, mm -hmm. yeah. Because you know, we don't want to be following our heart, right? We want to inform. Lead. We want to inform our heart, have it be changed right. uh, by God, and, and then lead our heart through God's word. And right. so that's really the, the litmus mm -hmm. test. When you're listening to these songs, yeah. square them up with biblical mm -hmm. teaching, and say, yeah. is that really what the Bible teaches? Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, I was reminded of an old cliche phrase. I've heard it a million times. I just heard it again this week listening to a podcast. Um, you know, discernment isn't knowing the difference between right and wrong. I think Spurgeon is the one who said this. Spurgeon, yeah. Discernment is knowing the difference between right and almost right. And there are a lot of songs out there that are almost right, and they're sneaky. Well, that's the deception oh, yeah. from the enemy. I mean, yeah. that's his M.O., right? Yeah. He takes mm -hmm. the truth and perverts yeah. it. Perverts it, yeah. But just a little bit. A little exactly, bit. so yeah. that there bit. is some truth to it. That's oh, yeah. why it's so effective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unless you're grounded in the word, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, because who, who fell the, the leader of worship? Right? Yeah, right. So worship oh. is so yeah. It's such a uh, mm -hmm. you know. I don't try to say it's. I I don't know. It's, you have to be really careful. Absolutely. I, mean, I once heard somebody say, you know, um, he the the one that fell. He was the first worship leader. He knows how powerful music is. Mm -hmm. You think he's not going to be in music and all over music, mm -hmm. and and I mean, music is very important oh, to yeah. him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you when you yeah. remember it from that angle, yeah. you you do look at songs differently. Mm -hmm. And I, what what we're saying about the the, the songs being kind of. Yeah, there's one that's ringing in my soul right. Now. I I was listening to it and I was just like, I do not. Well, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I really don't want. To. <laughs> it was just, it was. I, I, I was thinking cotton candy. You know, it was kind of sweet, but it was, it, it was empty. It was just, it was just fluff. Yeah. yeah. You know. One of the challenges we have is if you go back, you know, let's just use our context in America for a minute. If you go back in American history a couple hundred years, even non-Christians knew a lot about the Bible. They, they, they could recite scripture. Yeah. yeah. They weren't even Christians. That was yeah. one of the books they read all the time. Yeah, well, it was like yeah. the reader. It's how they learned how to read. Yeah. It was reading the Bible yeah. and stuff. So they knew the Bible even if they, you know, didn't weren't transformed by the gospel. Mm -hmm. And now we live in a world where people claim to be gospel believing Christians. They don't know the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so it's so easy to trick us from mm -hmm. mm -hmm. thing is maybe they are actually Christians and they don't. Yeah, and then all the they people back then, right? And then yeah. the people back then were catechized, but not really believers, right? Right. right. Yeah. How, yeah. You know, we started out by me saying I think this message is going to be 
important given the tenor of the times. Yeah. So I don't want us to go too long necessarily, although we can go as long as we want, but you know, you don't be too transparent and vulnerable. We are on Facebook, I guess, but um, how is everybody doing? I'm doing great. I too. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I have my moments when, you know, I have to kind of repent because of, uh, I have a thought about certain people that I know I need, I need to not be thinking because it makes me angry. But overall, you know, I have a lot of peace. I, you know, if you can go to, go to sleep at night, then you have peace. I can do that. You know, because I know that uh, just, just just like that song, although the wrong seems also strong, God is the really, I know who's in control. I know who's in control of my destiny. Um, and I just, you know, I, I just feel like, uh, have you, you remember those cartoon characters, like the Bugs Bunny character that would blow up the whole, whole world? And, and, and the little character would be standing on a little piece of dirt. Going, this is how I feel. Like if the whole world blew up, I'm going to be standing on a little piece of dirt. Circle, circling the sun. I just feel so <laughs> call that to mind. That's how I, yeah. I just feel so taken care of. Yeah. You know, um, I think it's I need to be more mindful of that because obviously I know my destiny. My biggest struggle is the suffering. Yes, yeah. knowing other people are suffering, and because I'm such an empathetic person. That when I hear a report, like for instance, the um, in Afghanistan, the things mm-hmm. that were being done, I was just yes. weeping, uh, weeping, literally weeping and praying because my heart was so broken for them, mm-hmm. knowing that they were so vulnerable. They were basically mm-hmm. sitting ducks, mm-hmm. waiting to be picked off one mm-hmm. by one, and just the terror gotcha. of yes. that, and just. And so, you know, and I kept praying for them, caused them to be like Stephen Lord, where they were being pelted and then they would just be able to smile and pray for the enemy and this, and the glory of the Lord would shine upon them and protect them. And, and just, because that's my struggle is that. And so I get, I do, I, I sometimes get depressed and I get very sad and just very I don't even know how to explain it you know where I I'll, I'll say to try I can't, I can't do it anymore mm-hmm. I just can't and I'm because of what I do for a living I can't not be and we're called to not be completely oblivious to the world we're called to be in the world so that we can pray for believers around but it's hard for me it is because of how I'm wired man I spent more crying this past week and, the, and since Afghanistan because mm-hmm. of just mm-hmm. just feeling it. It was just like I felt. It was almost like not that I have the God, the, the heart of God, but we're called to have the mind of God. And it's not as if God doesn't see the suffering. Mm-hmm. He is overcome, which is why judgment <laughs> is happening. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you believe it or not, it's happening. He will avenge the blood of mm-hmm. of the saints. Thank goodness. But that's frightening. And I'm on the right side. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, anyway. Well, most of the uh, conversations come from my left side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anybody on, my, on the right side has anything they want to 
either either play off of something in the message or something from the conversation or talk about how you're doing lately, any of the things that have been on the table? Yeah, I think things are going to get more confrontational soon enough on a more personal level. Meaning the confrontation is being forced upon on right. the same thing? Yeah. Does that concern you at all? I mean, you guys are a different generation. Yeah. You know, bringing up children in this type of a, like, have you thought about that? Has that dawned on you? Is, is yeah. it something, yeah? I, I just think of things like, you know, uh, this past week and OSHA abuse and stuff like that. I'm like, that could, you know, I felt that. Mm. I'm not going to feel it yet because, I mean, you know, there'll, there'll be time before anyone acts on that. But they intend to bring the confrontation. Right. So, you know, and again, nothing's started yet. As far as I know, they're radio silent on... Companies are radio silent on enforcing that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know anyone whose company has actually started that process. And, of course, other companies have defied. But the confrontation is coming. Right. Does that concern you, or you're just, like, aware of it? There is some concern. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, be foolish to say that there was no stress or concern about that. But. And you haven't even started a family yet of your own, yeah. so... I, mine just left, so... <laughs> but as you look forward, like, fast forward in time, like, ten years, you know... What you imagine for yourself 10 years from now, does it look different than what you imagined for yourself 12 years ago, two Daddy? years ago? You know what I'm saying? Daddy? When you were in your mid, a couple years ago, you're thinking, when I'm in my mid-20s and I'm going to be married, have a couple of kids, have this kind of job, whatever. Maybe I'm just putting an, uh, an idea out there. And now, here we are two years later, has whatever your thoughts were a couple of years ago. Your plans for the future. Yeah, has that changed? Or is, you know, I'm going to just keep doing what I was going to do and trust God? I mean, well, I can't make a, <laughs> I can't make an informed decision, obviously. He's um, not thinking that far ahead, really, right now. Well, there, there are things that come before that that you gotta figure out. No. <laughs> no. At least in my situation, there are other things that have preoccupied that that space. But, Do you feel any the, pressure from the world? Um, do you feel vulnerable from the pressure of the world to do X, Y, Z based on the narrative? No, I'll fight against it as hard as I can. Gotcha. Uh, that, that's one of, one of the things I struggle with the most is knowing how influential we are and knowing that humans influence humans. Right. So, uh, I mean, there's... You're around people that, that are godly and don't really, yeah, it's, <laughs> um, we need to think about being more dedicated to the idea of being people of action. Yeah. It's so frustrating to me that see people or hear people complaining about how the school system's forcing their kids to wear a mask. And I'm like, well, who sent their kid to school? 
So who's ultimately really responsible for that mask on? Like you have some control in that mm -hmm. situation, you know, or you know some other forced thing that really not gonna be easy. I'm not saying the solutions are easy, but looking at it from a Christian perspective, like the world is so lost and nobody's reading the Bible, mm -hmm. nobody understands the gospel. But how active are we in sharing God's truth with people? Are we mm -hmm. seeking out opportunities to talk about the need for Christ and the mm -hmm. gospel truth of things? I would venture to say that for the overwhelming majority of us that profess Christ, that that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And yet we complain about how, you know, the world's lost, it's going to hell in a handbasket, but we're not doing anything about it. <laughs> so we need to start doing something about it. I'm an old marketer, an old advertising guy. You know, branding is important. We need to expand the, the kingdom brand here. We need to, you know, marketing is really simple. It's right message, right people, right number of times. Well, the right people are sinners. That's all of us. The right message, you don't get any more right than the gospel message. And the right number of times, that's just repetition. It's repetition. It's repetition. So if you shared the gospel with your neighbor 10 years ago and that was it, like, that's one. That's not enough times. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that silly thing that gets attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, you know, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. It's the word, it's word of God. Of God. We are to proclaim yeah. the message. Yeah. Okay, fine. Let's just add an addendum. Proclaim the message at all times and if necessary, use words. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And words are always necessary. Yeah. yeah. You got to tell people. Yeah. You got to tell people. You got to put the goofy hat on your head and say, I'm from Arkansas. Sue-wee. <laughs> like they do in those, <laughs> they do in those political yeah, conventions. Yeah. I, mean, I remember when I was a kid growing up and I thought, what? What knuckleheads these people were. Yeah. These were grown adults. They looked like absolute fools. Yeah. But they were like <laughs> sold out for their political party mm -hmm. and for their candidate of choice. They, they didn't care what the... They, in fact, they wanted to be looked at as outlandish. The more outlandish, the more evidence that was that they were really on board. Mm -hmm. Well, and the more attention they got. Yeah, yeah, yeah more attention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, amazing. steal a line from my own sermon. Will you wear a goofy hat for yeah. Jesus? The thing that I always worried about in the past was saying, like, I was, t it's a miracle I'm a Christian, really, because I was so turned off. It's a miracle by, any of us are Christians. Yeah, it is. But you know, it's a divine so, act. It is. It is. That's what I'm saying. It was a divine act because I was so turned away from Christians because of the people that spoke. And I was so appalled by the things they said and did because um, it seemed to me that the ones that knew God intimately less were the most vocal because they knew they knew the word, they were good at memorizing, but they didn't really know God, you know, that the uh, intimate way. They were more keen they on being right. Him. Like the Pharisees. You were wrong. Yeah, Pharisees and Sadducees. So they, and they were cruel, yeah. cruel, cruel, cruel. So they dragged me into a church and, then, you know, I ran from the church as fast as I could. Mm -hmm. And so my thing now is that I will, and, and I'm thankful that God's given me the boldness, I will not speak anything if it's, if I'm angry inside about it or if mm. I'm, I, but I have been so bold lately in just speaking the truth. You know, if someone says something about, oh, anything goes, and I'll say, absolutely not. No, it doesn't. We had this transition. <laughs> that's what you tell your kids? Anything goes? Right. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. But no, we had this discussion about 
uh, the whole mess with the, the transvestites and this, and, he, and they don't want to be referred to as he, she, they just want to be it. And, come on. So I said, I'm sorry. Absolutely. I will never agree with that. You know, I'm going to love the person, but I will never, ever, ever agree with that sin because it's not of God. Period. And I said, I won't bend on that. And I said, but the person, I love the person. I feel sorry for the person. Absolutely. Because something's missing, Absolutely. which is God. Absolutely. And so, you know, but I'm glad I can say that now. I'm not angry. I would never be angry at the person. Um, but the, the sin is like, just repulses me, but not the person. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm always careful about. I have to separate those things. Well, and you have to be very careful when you present it to people as well, because especially more and more now, they people don't believe you. And that's not our fault, but, you know, um, I have quite a number of friends um, in in, in the gay community, and the vast majority of them do not believe me when I say, I love you, and I think that what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. They they they're like no. That means you hate me. No. 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 Don't hurt yourself anymore. Don't, don't, you don't, you don't, don't jump up off that cliff. You're gonna yeah. die. Right. Oh, you hate me. <laughs> you but, think but you're it, not letting me do what I want. Yeah, and, like, and, yeah. and it's um, and I think part of it is because it's such a sensitive topic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, anytime you're talking about something <laughs> that is sensitive to somebody is um. A big issue for them. They're more, much more likely to get defensive, to get upset. They, and um, especially if it's something that maybe deep down inside, something's telling them this isn't quite right. They're going to be super quick, be like, no, 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 no. It becomes yes. sensitive when, uh, increasingly sensitive anyway. Let me put it that way. When we surrender the ground, when we cede mm, that's true too. The ground, and mm-hmm. so when I was growing up, if somebody, you know, you, you're in fifth grade and somebody's, you know, way overweight, and you'd call them fat, so mm-hmm. it was mean, and if you, mm-hmm. you know, and if you weren't careful about it, you'd be bullying and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there was no denying the fat, so was called fat, so because they were fat. That was me, by the way. Right? I was the best. <laughs> but now, we're not allowed to say that anybody's fat. We shouldn't be calling people fat, so don't misserstand. Yeah. They're but, curvy. But we can't, yeah. And now there's this whole, I mean, unhealthy, it was the swimsuit edition, enough, yeah. wasn't it, this year in Sports Illustrated? Yeah. It was a bunch was, of, yeah. a bunch unhealthy, of women. unhealthy women. And, th- and this is a, BMI was way this is a sports magazine. Well, ostensibly, it's a sports magazine. It's about physical fitness. <laughs> Right, it's about athletics, and then there's these women that are like double the weight they should be, right? They should they should probably weigh 130, and they weigh 260. And I'm sorry, that's not healthy. Right, and they could be, and they were actually beautiful women. Right, and they'd be beautiful at the right healthy weight or not the right healthy weight. It has nothing to do with that. It's it's what's healthy and what's not healthy. And if you're portraying this as this is our healthy species, you know, this is why, because this is a sports magazine or whatever, it's like, yeah, suddenly heart attacks are going to be the normal way to go. Right, you exactly. So the point is, because there's stuff in a mindset that reality is subjective. Right. And if and reality is subjective, there is right. no reality. Why should they do yeah. that? Yeah. You have to say, yeah. Yeah. if it's my yeah. truth, not your truth. Right, right. and well, we've got to disagree with their live? truth. Yeah. It's all, you just gotta agree to disagree. Right, yeah. So the point is, or you're hating. But, but they'll tell you that and then still say that you're a horrible person because. Right, right. Yeah. But if reality is subjective, so is morality. And everything. And if my morality is different than yours. Then you can't <laughs> tell me that I'm not being moral. Yeah. Right. 
But no, it's everything is um shaming these days. And anytime yeah. you disagree right. with anything yeah. or say I, I you know, it's yeah. it's fat shaming, it's slut shaming, it's yeah. um and it's interesting because yeah. if it's, if, if it's yeah. because of a sin, there should be shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, we get angry when we're shamed. We, there's no mm-hmm. sense of shame in this right. where sins are celebrated. It wasn't that long ago. It was in our lifetime for sure. In, my, in our adult lifetime, if you go to the doctor and they say, oh, you might want to lose 15 pounds, you'd come home and you'd be, yeah, doctor, yeah. I hate going to the doctor. He always tells you I got to lose 15 yeah. pounds. Mm-hmm. Now... It's less that and it's more, can you believe the nerve of my doctor telling me i got to lose 15 pounds? The doctor's fat shaming me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I actually said that because Going my doctor's a 100-pound Asian. I think everybody's having the same problem. Every time I go to the doctor, oh, you need to lose weight. And we've done it with the... With the, uh, with the what do you think I'm trying to do? Yeah, yeah, with the uh, child murder. Uh, yeah. Roe v. Wade stuff. We've yeah. seen so much ground on that that that's a sensitive subject. You can't really talk about that question. I'm sorry, murdering a child is evil. This wow. sounds like brave new. World. There's nothing sensitive <laughs> about that. It's just a fact. Murdering a child is evil. Well, I'm pro-choice. Okay, a woman choosing to murder her child is evil. evil. Mm-hmm. Call it what you will. But <laughs> yet, men are who murder their wives or beat their wives. That's not acceptable. Right. Because and so they're shipped off, but why is that not acceptable? Right. The woman who's stronger than that little baby can kill it. Right, and it's her right, not even her husband's right. So the whole oh, thing yeah. doesn't make sense. Men aren't allowed to have a say. So like, even no, if it was his child, he can't mm-hmm. try to save it. No. What's wrong with stardust touching stardust? What? I said, what's wrong with stardust touching stardust? If, if, if all they, they are is stardust, yeah. if that's what they believe, if humans are just floating through the right, universe, right. 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 If I walk up to somebody and I'm stardust and they're stardust and I punch them in the face, who's the care? Why, why does it matter? What what makes them valuable? Is that a, is that a way, well? I guess it does. It doesn't matter until they're the until object you of the add in the God exactly. That's right. Say, You're made in the image of God and that's why you have value. But if there is no God, then they have no value. Yeah. They're stardust. In which case, what do you care? Mm-hmm. Yeah. More, uh, moral subjectivity ends at the receiving end of a left hook, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Suddenly. Suddenly you're clay. That's wrong. Well, that's you said it's not India, maybe? But with the whole, you know, abortion issue, since that is so much in the, you know, the, a lot of what you'll get is, oh, but you don't know my circumstances. I do the baby a favor. Because... I'll do you a favor. Because the, because the you know, the baby would have been born into a situation oh, where the father does so drugs bad. or well, then I have kill all the children life. that are currently in those situations? Well, no, but I... That's where we're headed. I know, but at least there's one less. Yeah. I mean, that's the art. Yeah. And, and I said, and, how, and you can't reason yeah. with someone who doesn't... If it ends just one child's <laughs> life, it was mean? worth it. Like, <laughs> but, they, but, they, but they say... I, but their mindset is... I did, I, I did the right thing because I spared them a life of misery. How do you even know that? Yeah, you, don't, you don't know that. Right. How do you know that? Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Tell Dr. Ben Carson that. that. Like, yeah, exactly. Or any of the other women exactly. or men who survived attempted abortions oh, or yeah. whatever. Oh. I mean, or terrible childhoods. Or terrible childhoods. Like, how many people do you know that came from perfect childhood? Nobody. Nobody. Oh, wait. Oh, I should have been born. Exactly. Because my parents uh, failed me or whatever. 
or the parents. I don't right. know. It just doesn't make sense. No, it does but <laughs> Actually, yeah, a perfect childhood it. is a failure. It's I so think wrong. one of the things... That, <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things that bothers me the most is that people who are pro-choice, they're like, oh, well, I personally could never do it. Right. But... I but wouldn't tell, tell another woman exactly. what to do with her body. I'm like, okay, but why wouldn't you do it? Mm-hmm. What makes what it, what makes it so hard for you to do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But isn't strong enough to say that other people shouldn't also right. do it. And then like, they what, think that they're superior, but they don't think that they're, or they think that they're superior. Oh, yeah, so they're okay right. with lower people right. doing something wrong because they, think because they the have moral high position, yeah. but they want to leave their own uh, back door open. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Yeah, they like saying, oh, "I would never put a higher hit on my spouse," but I hope not. at somebody else's choice if they want to. Dirty jeans, dumb dirty That's that's what we're Should talking about. That's what we're talking about. These are hired hits. These are hired hits on a defenseless child in the womb. These are hired hits. That's what's called it. That's what it is. It is. It's just plain murder. They're assassinations. Do you remember the book that we read that our daughter read? I can't remember. The abortion book. What? Meaning... What actually It was happened? written by Oh, like D'Souza. a scientific view of... It was Dinesh D'Souza's uh, daughter. Horrific. Yeah. What is actually so done. Yeah. It, there's more than one way to do it, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah there's several. Is much oh, they're horrifying. Horrifying. Yeah. There's one in which literally the baby yeah. burns yeah. to death. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Oh. They used the one where they're ripped limb from limb. Right. That's after they burn them to death. Right. Well, no, some are ripped limb, well, limb from limb a lot. True. I mean, vacuum. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah. some and some of the technicians that do it have testified that like the baby cries. They they can. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're yeah. they're oh, yeah. moving away from yeah. it. You couldn't to get imagine a more fun. horrifying way to kill these oh, like, poor children. You, oh, <laughs> oh well, the morning after pill. That's not so bad because oh. Yes. Well, the morning after pill only Mommy. works if you're not already pregnant. Mommy. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's supposed to, it's supposed to keep you from ovulating. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've already ovulated, then, you know, the the, the only chance you've got of it causing a miscarriage is just because it's a bunch of hormones in the body. But for the most part, the morning after pill. Yeah, you remember. Yeah, it, it's for the most part, it's very similar to. I still think it should be avoided. <laughs> Hopefully, you avoid the situation in which you would need to yeah. take it. But, it, it's, but um, no, it, it's supposed to prevent ovulation, which means it's not anything that's killing a baby. It's right. It's the, the, the cellular growth. Once the egg and the sperm have united. Yeah. Yeah, the morning Anything after pills are pretty. Uh, beings in distance from yeah. that point forward. Pretty murder. useless after mm-hmm. that point. Right, because God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I knew you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And I had dreams about all my children, all of them, even the one I, I did lose one, even the one I lost. Dreams about them all. Knew their names, saw them. Really? Saw my grandchildren. I saw my two grandchildren before they were born. Wow. Before they were born. So mm-hmm. God had a plan. I saw yeah. them clearly. Yeah. Um, and so, there's no question. You know, it's. Oh, to do so that. So how many Facebook community standards do you think we violated today? Oh, oh there's so yeah. many. So many. Goodness. <laughs> well, hate speech for sure. Yeah. We said sure. fatso. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Except <laughs> I called myself There was a cartoon that was very yeah, popular and beloved called Fat yeah. Albert, and we all watched <laughs> <laughs> it. Albert, man. I really liked Albert, though. He was... <laughs> all right. Before we wrap up, well, Joe Cosby's not... 
know. Well, now, yeah, but he needs some. We thought we need some. Oh, yeah, he was technically innocent because they prosecuted him. He's not innocent. He technically can't legally. Well, they only were able to convict him based on illegal actions. That doesn't mean he's innocent. That means they can't go through with it. There's no between innocent. Get away with murder. Well, those that have been with us for the last uh, couple of months know that we we here at the House of the Faith in Christ spent uh, a month, you know, sharpening our skills at understanding what the gospel is and being able to articulate it. So um, if we don't keep our practice up, we will grow flabby in this area. So I think every week... We're going to kind of take turns. Everybody's going to have a chance at some point to share the gospel. So uh, if somebody wants to volunteer and take a few seconds and share the gospel for somebody. I feel like everybody in the room here is, uh, is a believer. But we don't know who might will be watching this video now or later, uh, either on Facebook or on YouTube. Well, so. actually on Facebook now, live. Mm -hmm. oh. so, so, they can't see you. Good. Yeah. I, I just got off work late. So who wants to share the gospel? I was on camera. Anybody want to take a stab at walking somebody through a real brief presentation? I could do it. All right. Let's hear it. Go for it. Do the 60-second version. No time limit. As long as it takes. Did you see his face? He's like, 60 seconds. No, no, no. No pressure on time. It can take as long as it needs. Essentially... We're all dead, he said. The, the fall of man happened. Yeah. Uh, we're lost and fallen. It's, it's the state of man. We're all sinners. We're born into sin. And sin will die. Actually, well, I'll get to that later. <laughs> um, and because of this, we're all deserving of death and hell. And then that's where we, we would all go if God hadn't done the most merciful thing in the world and sent his only son to be hung on the cross and killed for our sins so that he would be the scapegoat instead of us. So that means free to get <laughs> essentially, sort of. We have to repent and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and um, with by his blood we are saved. Again, yeah. Um, we're saved through, through grace in Christ alone, by his blood. Because we're sinners. <laughs> if we choose to believe it. Was that? If we choose to believe it. If we choose to believe it. Right. Not every... Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So, um, somebody else gets to go next week, so be thinking about this as we, uh, <laughs> as we do it. And I think we're going to get better and better and better and more and more comfortable doing this. Uh, when I have time to prepare. As we do it. You know, so, no, hey, great bravery, stepping up, being the first <laughs> yeah, one. I applaud good. that all day long. You got, he wasn't even me? here when we practiced. Not, yeah, you weren't even here for the practice week. Practice. We missed that. We had a oh, week of practice. Right, yeah. yeah. We spent like an hour and a half practicing. I was in like something. Was that when you were Yeah, it's when you were So we are, uh, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to finish, uh, we're, well, finish. No, we're not. It's going to take us two more weeks in Revelation 5. Even though we covered Revelation 5, uh, there's so many misunderstandings about the different imagery and the things in Revelation, so we're slowing down and taking time to walk through what the different images do and don't mean. Because I did a broad message on the chapter today, we didn't get into the nitty-gritty, so we're going to begin to take a look at the nitty-gritty of chapter 5 next week and then finish up our look at chapter 5 the week after that before moving on to chapter 6. So 
Anyway, continue your uh, Bible reading and share the gospel, would you already? Till next week, God bless.